Our King is alive. Let us raise our hallelujah this morning. We at First Church would like to welcome you, whether you are here in person, listening on the radio, or watching on Facebook. We are blessed that you are a part of our service and hope that our music and singing is uplifting, our Bible study revealing, and our prayers impactful. We have a lot going on here and happening this morning in our worship service. Um, to keep things moving along, we're going to have the collection of the offering during children's chat. So note that. We uh, will also be serving the Lord's Supper at the altar today. There will be elders in the sanctuary for those who are unable to come forward. Invitation for membership to First Church. We will be receiving new members into the church soon. If you're interested in becoming a member or have questions about membership, please talk to Pastor Joel. Ladies, you are invited to the IF gathering on March 4th and 5th. Details are in the bulletin and on our website. You can register online or in the church office. If you're on the list to make meals for funerals, please check the clipboard back in the info center and update your contact information. And now would you please rise and join me in the call to worship. It is taken from Psalm 25. In you, Lord, my God, I put my trust. I trust in you. Do not let me be put to shame, nor let my enemies triumph over me. No one who hopes in you will ever be put to shame, but shame will come on those who are treacherous without cause. Show me your ways, Lord. Teach me your paths. Guide me in your truth and teach me, for you are God my Savior. And my hope is in you all day long. Remember, Lord, your great mercy and love, for they are from of old. Do not remember the sins of my youth and my rebellious ways. According to your love, remember me, for you, Lord, are good. Good and upright is the Lord. Therefore, he instructs sinners in his ways. He guides the humble in what is right and teaches them his ways. All the ways of the Lord are loving and faithful toward those who keep the demands of his covenant. For the sake of your name, Lord, forgive my iniquities, though it is great. And now let us sing and praise the Lord. Promise and great is thy faithfulness. Great. 
God's faithfulness is so good to us. Take a moment right now, and in your thoughts, or even if you want to verbiage, give him something you're just thankful for. Just give him one thing. God, I just thank you for. Just give him a praise. His faithfulness is good. Thank you, Father God.
Amen. You may be seated. This time I want to invite forward Zach Metzger for the sacrament of holy baptism. Here's your cheat sheet. We just sang about God's faithfulness, about his promises. And one of the promises of his word is that he will forgive those who repent and turn to him in faith. Baptism is our opportunity to recognize that in an individual's life. And Zach's here today to to publicly declare his faith in Christ, um, his desire to follow Jesus as his Lord and Savior. And and baptism is our way of recognizing the forgiveness that he has already experienced in Christ. You have these words from Matthew chapter chapter 28, verses 18 through 20. All authority in heaven on earth has been given to me, Jesus said. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything that I've commanded you. And surely I'm with you always to the very end of the age. And so it's the church's responsibility to baptize believers in obedience to that command. On the day of Pentecost, Peter said, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, so that your sins may be forgiven. And you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit, for this promise is for you, for your children, and for all who are far away, everyone whom the Lord our God calls to him. So as I said, baptism is an opportunity for for us to, to witness your faith. And so the following questions are an opportunity for you to declare your faith in Jesus Christ. Do you truly and earnestly repent of your sins and accept Jesus as Jesus Christ as your Savior? Do you believe in God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, and in the Holy Spirit, the Lord, the giver of life? Do Do you desire to be baptized into this faith today and obediently keep God's holy will and commandments and walk in the same all the days of your life? And will you devote yourself to the church's teaching, to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and the prayers? Praise God. Now, Zach has an opportunity here to, to share a little bit as well, something that we don't always get to see when a, when a child or infant is baptized. And so I asked Zach to prepare a few thoughts, and I'm going to invite him to share here at the pulpit now. Good morning. I chose to be baptized today because I believe in, in Jesus as my Lord and Savior. I have not always done things the traditional way, God got a hold of me when I was going through a really difficult time. He spoke to me, and I really started listening. He changed my life for the better. Now I have a really good relationship with God. I talked to him, and I've learned to start listening. He's done a lot of work inside me and and behind the scenes. I also want to be baptized because I want to set a good example for my kids so they can know Jesus and have a relationship with him too. Now, as a congregation, let's take a moment and and commit to this faith together by reciting the Apostles' Creed. The words are in your bulletin. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. I believe in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, 
born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended into hell. On the third day he rose again, and he ascended into heaven, is seated at the right hand of the Father, and will come again to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Universal Christian Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. Let's pray together. We thank you, O God, for our baptism into Christ's death and resurrection. In the beginning, your spirit moved over the waters. In the times of Noah, you destroyed evil in the water of the flood, and by your saving ark, you gave a new beginning. In the night of trouble, you led Israel through the sea. In the water of the Jordan, our Lord was baptized. And in the baptism of Christ's death and resurrection, you have set us free from sin and death and opened the way to eternal life. May Christ, who sank deep into death and was raised to life, keep us in the grip of his hand. And may your spirit separate us from sin and mark us with a faith that can stand the light of day and endure the dark of night. To you be all honor and glory, dominion and power, now and forevermore, through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Amen. Spent a lot of time here already talking about the commitment that Zach is making through this baptism as a recognition of his faith in Jesus as Savior and Lord. But church, we have a responsibility in this too. And it's a responsibility to Zach to care for him, to help come alongside him as he walks with the Lord, to welcome him into the church family and to disciple him as he seeks to serve the Lord all the days of his life. And so I invite you to, to welcome Zach into Christ's church. Brothers and sisters, as we receive Zach into Christ's church today, I encourage you to nurture and love him and to assist him to be Christ's faithful disciples. With joy and thanksgiving, we now welcome you into Christ's church, for we are all one in Christ. We promise to love and encourage and support you and to help you know and follow Christ. Amen. Zach, I invite you to come over here and kneel at the altar. Zach, it is my honor and joy to baptize you in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord turn his face toward you and give you peace. Let's pray together. Gracious God and Heavenly Father, we thank you for the gift of your Son, Jesus Christ. We thank you for the gift of salvation that is made available through his death and resurrection. And we thank you for the symbol of baptism, which reminds us that you wash away our sins and give us new life as we put our trust in you. We pray for Zach, that you bless and strengthen him daily with the gift of your Holy Spirit. Unfold to him the riches of your love and deepen his faith. Keep him from the power of evil and enable him to live a holy and blameless life until your kingdom comes. In Christ we pray. Amen. Amen. Congratulations, Zach. This time I want to invite the praise team back forward. Here, you might want this. <laughs> let that. Let you take that with you if you need it. Um, gets a little messy up here sometimes. Um, as the praise team comes back forward, um, this is an opportunity for us to respond in grace and in praise to what we just witnessed. This next song is called Holy Water, and it speaks to the forgiveness that we experience in Christ. Um, we just witnessed Zach being baptized, which is a wonderful and amazing thing. And it's a reminder of our own faith, our own grace, the mercy we ourselves have re experienced in Christ. 
And so let's respond by praising God for that forgiveness. If you're able, I invite you to stand and join us as we sing Holy Water. seated. Just a reminder, as the children come forward for children's chat, we are going to be collecting today's offering during this time. Uh, The offering today goes to support the general fund. So as the children come forward with Carolyn, I want to invite you uh, to collect the deacons to come forward to collect the offering as well. What a nice looking group here. Oh, I'm not that skinny. Here we are. All right. 
Oh, come down here with you guys. Huh? What do I have here in my hands? Newspaper. What's in the newspaper? News. What's news? Hmm? Huh? What's news? Yeah. Tells you what happens. You know, years ago, before radio and television and Internet, the only way you knew what was going on was to read paper. Can you imagine that? Because a lot of you probably don't have papers at your house, do you? I have papers at my house. I bet you do. But you know what kids would do? They would go on the street and they would go, extra, extra, read all about it. Does that sound funny? Yeah. Yeah, they would. There's something really, like when the war ended, you know, extra, extra, you know, the world war is done. Read all about it. And then people would buy a paper and read about it. Now, out west, many, many years ago, it might be days or weeks before they heard any news. And that'd be kind of hard, wouldn't it? to wait that long so this says plow drivers have a busy day extra extra what came no and you poor kids couldn't go to school a couple days i feel so bad for you yeah nobody (laughs) and your mother's a teacher okay so you know we have some really important news to share you guys And everybody out there has some really important news to share. What would that be? About God and Jesus. We have such important news to share, the good news of Jesus. And you know where we can read about that news at? The Bible. And after 2,000 years, it is still the best news that you can share with somebody else better than any newspaper and it never changes and you know 2000 years that's a, a that's a long time isn't it yeah it really is so jesus wants us to tell news on every corner in every business in every classroom to our family and friends that jesus was born Jesus taught us all about love, what God wanted us to do. Jesus died to take away our sins, and he arose again that we may have eternal life with God in heaven. That's all really special. In Matthew 28, verses 19 to 20, and you've heard this earlier already, Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost, teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. So what can we say? Extra, extra, read all about it. The good news of God our Father. Let us say a prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, we bless these, please bless these children who are here that are listening to your word and that they can spread your word to those around them. 
They need to know when the opportunity is and to take that opportunity, just as we adults find it hard to do, help us to share your good news to the people around us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thanks, Carolyn. Thanks, kids. You guys can head back to your seats. The rest of you, I invite you to join me in prayer once again. Father God, we thank you so much for this day. We thank you for the opportunity to gather here in this place and to worship you through song, through scripture reading, through prayer, through witnessing a baptism, Lord. Um, we all are, we are here to worship you and praise you for your goodness and your faithfulness. Uh, we thank you for the opportunity to give back uh, as we just did so with the offering. We pray that you bless that offering to further the work of your kingdom in this place. And we ask, Lord, that you would continue to be with those names and the families that are represented in our prayer list today. May you bring healing where it's needed. May you bring uh, provision where it's needed. Um, Lord, you know what's needed in those situations. And you know, Lord, what is ultimately best for us. We sometimes think we have an idea of what we need, but we entrust ourselves and our loved ones to you and ask that your will would be done in each of those situations. We pray all these things in the name of Jesus, who taught us to pray, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts, as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory forever. Amen. Amen. Our scripture reading this morning comes from 1 Peter chapter 3, verses 8 through 17. Finally, all of you, be like-minded, be sympathetic, love one another, be compassionate and humble. Do not repay evil with evil or insult with insult. On the contrary, repay evil with blessing, because to you, because this you were called so that you may inherit a blessing. For whoever would love life and sees good days must keep their tongues from evil and their lips from deceitful speech. They must turn from evil and do good. They must seek peace and pursue it. For the eyes of the Lord are on the righteous and his ears are attentive to their prayer. But the face of the Lord is against those who do evil. Who is going to harm you if you, do, if you are eager to do good? But even if you should suffer for what is right, you are blessed. Do not fear the threat, their threats. Do not be frightened. But in your hearts, revere Christ as Lord. Always be prepared to give an answer to anyone who asks you to give the reason for your hope that you have. But do this with gentleness and respect, keeping a clear conscience, so that those who speak maliciously against you your good behavior in Christ may be ashamed of their slander, for it is better, if it is God's will, to suffer for doing good than for doing evil. Thank you, Maria. Let's pray together. Father God, we thank you for the reading of your word. Now, as we turn our attention to it this morning, we ask that you uh, open our hearts and minds to what you have to say to us. And Holy Spirit, may you give me words to speak this morning. We pray this in Christ's name. Amen. 
So if you've been with us the last couple weeks as we've journeyed through 1 Peter together, you know that Peter has specific groups of people, right? He talked to, to slaves. Um, he was talking to wives and husbands. Here he turns his attention back to all of y'all, as you notice at the start of this passage. He's once again re- talking to all Christians in the church here and how they should respond in these different situations. And as we, as we work through this today, I want you to think of this big idea. We've been talking about what it means to faithfully live in a fallen world. And what we need to remember here is that as Christians, to live faithfully in a fallen world means that we're going to respond differently. We're going to act differently than the rest of the world acts and responds. And so we see three examples of it here that I want to get to quickly here this morning. First is right from that first verse, from verse 8 in 1 Peter chapter 3 is that it means being united in a divided world. I could stand up here for a while and give you examples of how our world is divided, but I don't think I really need to prove that point to you, do I? We live in a time that is very polarized, whether it's on social media or the news media, right? We, we live in a very divided world in this us versus them mentality. And we see it all the time outside of the church, Right, but the church should be a place where God's people find refuge in that divided world. The church should be a place where people are um, not defined by the categories that the rest of the world uses. You know, out there, you're either a Republican or a Democrat, right? You're wealthy or you're poor. You're a Bengals fan or a Browns fan. And I've heard this last couple of weeks that there's no overlap there at all. Um, so there's, there's all these categories that we use to divide ourselves out there and create this us versus them mentality, but that's not the way it should be for us, right? We should be united together in purpose of serving the Lord and loving the Lord and worshiping the Lord. In Galatians three, Paul puts it this way. There is neither Jew nor Gentile, neither slave nor free, nor is there male and female for you are all one in Christ Jesus. In other words, what he's saying is it doesn't matter where you come from or who you are. Because we are united together in Jesus. We are one body and one family. And so again, 1 Peter 3, 8, he says all of you, right? It's everyone's responsibility to ensure that that unity happens. Peter just finished talking to those different groups, like I said, and now he lists off these five characteristics in rapid succession. And each one has to do with how we treat one another. And there's three themes that pop up here. It's unity, it's love, and it's humility. That's how we stay united in a divided world. In Ephesians 4, 3, Paul says, make every effort to keep the unity of the spirit through the bond of peace. How do we stay united? It doesn't come from ourselves. It comes from the spirit. See, the one thing that Christians have in common, which is God's spirit indwelled in us, is greater than anything that could possibly separate us. So again, the world tries to divide us into categories, but God's word says that we have the unity of the spirit because it is God's spirit that dwells in every believer. I have the same spirit and you have the same spirit. So no matter where we are or where we come from, we are united in him. We're also united in love. It talks about sympathy and compassion and loving one another. See, love is more than just a feeling. It involves our actions and attitudes towards one another as well. It's demonstrated practically through how we treat one another. You know, there's all these one another statements in the New Testament. In fact, there's 59 of them in total that talk about how we are called to love one another or care for one another. 
Um, you can find a whole list of them. You can Google search it and see them all in a list. Um, but they, they all have, uh, they all give us an example of what it means to truly love one another, to be compassionate, to be sympathetic towards one another. Do you want to know how you can practically love your brothers and sisters in Christ? Just read through some of those examples. It gives, it shows how to live them out. And finally, it says we are called to live in humility. In Philippians 2, 3 through 4, Paul once again says, Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves, not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interest of others. That's Philippians 2, 3 and 4. See, humility is not thinking less of yourself. It's not about putting yourself down. It's simply thinking of yourself less. In other words, it's putting other people's needs ahead of your own. It's about loving sacrificially like Jesus loved us. And those who, those who put themselves first, right, those who are only looking out for themselves, are very difficult to get along with, right? So, so if we want to be united, if we want to be a church that looks like that in a divided world, we need to learn to put others' needs ahead of our own. So we're called to be united in a divided world Peter here also talks about being peacemakers in a hostile world. And we see that in, the, in verses 9 through 12. Not only is this world divided, but it's hostile too. There's so much hate and anger on display, right? People say things to one another uh, behind a, a screen that they would never say to each other's face. And the vitriol is sometimes celebrated as virtue, Right? We celebrate the, the mean things that people say to one another. We act as if that's okay and that's the right thing to do. Instead, Scripture calls us to a higher way. Instead of responding to a hostile world in kind, evil for evil and insult for insult. Is this mic on by any chance? No? All right. What if we switch the... Testing one, two, three. Can you guys hear me better now? All right. Sorry about that. I could just hear it like echoing back on myself there. I guess I'll just stay tethered to the pulpit now. Um, thank you, Zane. Scripture calls us to a higher way. Instead of responding to a hostile wor- world in kind, evil for evil and insult for insult, Peter says that we're called to repay evil for good. In fact, Peter says that's what we're called to. Right? Just as we were called to a living hope in chapter 1, we are now called to live a new way of life. The same God who saves us also equips us to live for him. Right? And Peter is not the one that came up with this idea either. Jesus, in the Sermon on the Mount, talks about how we are called to love not just our neighbors, but our enemies as well. We're called to pray for those who persecute us. Not just love when it's convenient, not just love people who will love us back, but to love everybody, including our enemies. And Peter here quotes from Psalm 34, 12 through 16. He says that we're called to seek peace and to pursue it. In other words, peacemaking is, is not something that just happens naturally. It doesn't come about by accident. It's hard work. It's something that must be intentionally pursued. Conflict happens naturally, right? Division happens naturally. It's the normal way of things in a broken and sinful world, but peacemaking must be actively sought after. And so how do we do that? He says we turn from evil and do good. 
Right? No one will bat an eye if you hold a grudge or seek revenge against someone who's wronged you. But peacemaking chooses to repay evil with good instead. Right? That doesn't excuse the evil or the hurt. It doesn't ignore it, but it chooses not to repay it in kind. In Proverbs 25, 21 through 22, it says, If your enemy is hungry, give him food to eat. If he is thirsty, give him water to drink. In doing this, you will heap burning coals on his head, and the Lord will reward you. You know, first pass through this verse, it sounds like, all right, burning coals on my enemy's head, that sounds great, right? That, that'll really hurt him. But what, what the proverb is getting at here is, is coals on the head, ashes on a person's head, was a sign of repentance. It was a sign that they had changed their mind. And so what the proverb is saying is when your enemy is hungry, feed them. When he's thirsty, give him water to drink. In other words, when you repay evil with good, mind or their attitude towards the situation. And who knows, they may even recognize the harm that they've done and repent. We're also called to seek peace with our words, right? We're called to speak the truth, not deceit. We're called to edify instead of insulting in other words, we, we talked about this. Don't lower ourselves to their level. In Ephesians 4:29, Paul says, Don't let any unwholesome talk come from your mouths, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may also benefit those who listen. And one more thing about peacemaking. It is done through prayer. The last part of the, the quote from the Psalms reminds us that God's eyes are on the righteous, that his ears are attentive to their prayers. I honestly believe that your attitude towards someone will change if you honestly and consistently pray for them. Your heart will change, right? You cannot continue to hate someone that you're praying for. You'll begin to see them like God sees them, a sinner in need of, in need of God's grace, just like you. Now, that doesn't mean you're going to become best friends, right? You're not going to ignore or forget what they've done to you, but your attitude towards them will soften over time if you honestly and consistently pray for them. The last thing we see from this passage about living differently in the world is that we need to be ready to respond in a questioning world. We need to be ready to respond in a questioning world. See, typically people will not seek to harm you if you do good. Peter notes that. But he also knows that just as we do from experience, that life is not always that easy. There will be times when you're confronted, and and as Christians, we need to learn how to respond to those times. And he gives us some advice here. He says, keep your focus on Jesus. Don't fear the world or what it can do to you. Instead, keep your focus on Christ himself. Revere him as Lord. In other words, we need to be more concerned about God and his word than what the world thinks of us. What do we fear? Well, sometimes we fear embarrassment. We fear being singled out being ridiculed, or maybe just not knowing the right thing to say. Some Christians, both in Peter's time and in some parts of our world today, may face physical harm or imprisonment for their beliefs. But we're not called to fear those things. We're not called to fear their threats. Instead, we keep our focus on God and revere Christ as our Lord. In other words, make him our number one priority, not our comfort, not our convenience. And we're called to do that. We're called to, to communicate the gospel, as Carolyn put it so well in the children's chat. We're called to do that with gentleness and respect, keeping a clear conscience. The truth is important, and I'll get to that in just a moment. But we must remember that when we talk about 
excuse me, we'll talk. Uh, we must lost my spot here. Truth is important, but we must always speak the truth with gentleness, respect, and love. Right? It does no good for us to win an argument if we lose our friend at the same time. And so the way we communicate speaks just as loudly as what we communicate. We need to stand firm on the truth. There is no doubt about that. But we need to do so in a way that we are showing care and consideration for the other person. And often it's our attitude towards others, right? It's our attitude towards them and the way we interact with them that will give us opportunities to speak the truth. Very few people come to Christ after an intense, heated exchange. But many come to Christ through the consistent interaction with believers who demonstrate gentleness and respect. And the last thing we see here in this passage is what Carolyn talked about during her children's chat is that we must then be prepared to give that account. When I was growing up, I was a Boy Scout. For those of you who, who had that experience, as my same experience as me, you know the Boy Scout motto is what? To be prepared. Right? Be prepared in every, any and every situation. Know how to respond. Well, that's essentially what Peter is saying here. Right? We are called to be prepared to give an account for the hope that we have in Christ. If I were to ask one of you right now to come up here to the pulpit... And give us an answer for the reason, for the hope that you have in Christ. Could you do it? Remember, we're on the radio, right? We're streaming online. How many of you would be comfortable doing that? I don't see any hands yet. Okay, I would never ask you to do that. But you know what might happen? You know what's much more likely to happen in your case? Someone may ask about your faith at work. Your kids may ask why you go to church every Sunday. So the question we have is, why, what, what would our answer be in those situations? Right? It's important for us all to be able to clearly and articu- accurately articulate the gospel. It's not something that you have to be able to preach for 30 minutes, but you should be able to give a basic explanation of what you believe and why you believe it, because chances are you will be asked about it someday. And so I want to close with just a quick summary. And again, Carolyn did a wonderful job of this during the children's chat. But if we want to be prepared, then we need to to give an account, then we need to know what our hope is. We need to know what the gospel is. And it can be summarized in just a few quick points. One, that God created us to know and love him. That when he created the world, everything was good and as it should have been. But unfortunately, sin entered the world through Adam and Eve's disobedience, and it affects everyone and everything. Sin separates us from God, and so we are unable to know him and love him as we were created to do. So everything is now lost and broken. It was good. Now it's lost and broken. And the tension of point one and two is this. How can sinful people have a relationship with a holy and righteous God? The problem needs to be fixed, but we can't do it ourselves. We need someone to step in and rescue us. And so God sent his son, Jesus Christ, to save us from our sin. He sacrificed himself, the righteous for the unrighteous, in order to restore us. And so our hope isn't in ourselves and what we can do. Our hope is in Jesus Christ. He died to take away our sin. And his resurrection is proof that he conquered death and that we are really forgiven. And that one day Jesus will return and establish heaven on earth. Everything that was lost because of the fall will be restored once again. And sin will be destroyed and removed from his creation. God will dwell with his people. 
So you can kind of summarize what I just shared there. The idea of creation, fall, redemption, and restoration. God created everything and it was good. But sin entered the world in the relationship with him. Everything was destroyed as a result of sin. God sent his son to save us and redeem us from our sin. And he will, he is actively working to restore his creation, both now in our own lives and in the future when Christ returns. That's the hope we have. And that's the hope that we celebrate when we take communion. As I wrap up now, I want to invite the praise team to come back forward for our last song as way to prepare hearts and minds for communion. And I want to pray for us as we do so. Father God, we thank you for this time. We thank you for your word. And we thank you that you do call us to live faithfully in a fallen world. And that means we're going to respond differently when confronted with different situations. Help us to be people who are united in a divided world. Help us to be peacemakers in a hostile world. And help us, Lord, to respond, be ready to respond in a questioning world. We pray these things in Christ's name. Amen. As we prepare for communion, I invite you to stand if you're able and sing our praise song, O Come to the Altar.
Amen. You may be seated. Just a moment, and we'll invite you forward to take communion at the altar. Uh, for those of you who have been around, we've been doing this a lot this way a lot more recently, but just a refresher. When I invite you forward, I invite you to come, uh, come down the side aisles. Um, from either side, there'll be uh, two stations, one on each side of the altar. I invite you to come and take the bread, take the cup, and you can head back down the center aisle to your seats and, and invite you to take the sacraments at your convenience when you are ready to do so. Paul writes in 1 Corinthians 11, I've received from the Lord what I also passed on to you. The Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, took bread, and having given thanks, he broke it, said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after supper, he took the cup, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Whenever you drink it, do so in remembrance of me. For whenever you eat this bread and you drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. I invite you to pray with me. Father, we thank you for this bread and this cup, which reminds us of your love for us. Jesus, your sacrifice on our behalf. As we take these sacraments to our comfort, we, the sacrament to your, our comfort, we ask that you would work in our hearts and minds. Bring to mind, Lord, the ways that we've fallen short. Lord, we are all sinners in need of a Savior. We all need you to redeem us and to save us. And yet this bread and this cup is a reminder that you have saved us that through Christ's death on the cross, through his resurrection, we have been given new life for all who believe and put trust in his name. And so, Lord, we ask now that you would bring to mind the ways that we've fallen short so that we may confess those things to you and may we experience your grace anew today. We, pr we pray these things in Christ's name. Amen. Remember God's word that if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. I invite those who have received Jesus Christ as your Lord and Messiah to take this holy sacrament to your comfort.
invite you to pray with me again. Father God, we are so grateful for your grace and your love that is poured out into our hearts through your Holy Spirit. I pray now that we would be filled with your Spirit as we go from this place. Equip us to live for you in light of your love for us. We pray all these things in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Now may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord turn his face toward you and give you peace. Amen. You may go in peace.